A couple of years ago, when I did a pulpit swap with an American minister in Virginia, we decided to start our time in the States with a few days in New York. We then arranged to catch a train from New York to Alexandria, where we would spend the next few weeks. To catch our train, we went to a big transportation hub called Penn Station. A lot of commuter trains stop there, and it's also a major subway stop. And my goodness, it's busy. In fact, there are thousands of people pouring out of the exits all day long. And many are looking for a taxi. It's been said that over the years, people have done terrible, violent things to each other in their mad rush to get a taxi. Pushing one another out of the way, jumping into a taxi when someone else opened the door. Then a number of years ago, someone did something very simple. They painted a yellow line down the pavement and they stenciled two words on the pavement, cab line. And apparently it utterly transformed behaviour there. Most people started waiting in an orderly queue. It was never enforced, there was no line police. People were simply invited to behave and most did. And it happened because they were shown what the boundaries were. Now, this morning we come to the foot of Mount Sinai and there we find the now familiar group of people. God has led the people of Israel out of slavery in Egypt where they've been for 400 years. And you'd think the first taste of freedom after 400 years would be the most exciting thing ever. But instead of being grateful, they've done nothing but grumble, moan and complain since they left Egypt. And yet even though they grumble, moan and complain, God continues to reach out to them. And on Mount Sinai, he reaches out again. This time God is going to give them some laws, dealing with everything from how to worship, to what clothing to wear, what to eat, well, to almost every aspect of daily living. The rabbis tell us that God gave Moses 613 laws in all, including what we call the Ten Commandments. And the reason that these laws were given was to give boundaries, to help guide the people how to live. You see, thousands of years ago, it was a truly barbaric time when slaves were routinely killed with no accountability, when women were largely treated as slaves and possessions, and the murder of children was commonplace as they were sacrificed to local gods. So when you read God's law in the Old Testament, see a new moral baseline for humanity unlike anything seen before. If the first reason God gave the law was to instruct the people how to live, the second reason was to create a new and distinctive community. It's as if God was saying, I want you to behave differently from every other nation in the world. You're going to worship me differently. Treat each other and creation differently. That's how people will know that you are my people. God was forming a special community and his plan for Israel was this. 
You will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. A people with personal relationships with God. You're going to live differently from your neighbours. People who will model community the way it should be. And in so doing, point all the peoples of the earth to me. In every generation, God says you'll stand out from everyone else by the way you treat each other, by following my commandments. And if someone were to have asked them what is the most important commandment, they wouldn't choose the one most of us might. You shall not murder. No, they understood and believed the greatest, most important commandment was not you shall not murder, it was, I am the Lord your God, you shall have no other gods before me. The first commandment is the heartbeat of the Ten Commandments. And consider this, if we can get the first commandment right, everything else will fall into place, because the person who observed this commandment should naturally follow the rest. The person who put God first wouldn't worship gods of wood or stone, wouldn't use his name disrespectfully, wouldn't forget the Sabbath to keep it holy. The person who put God first would need no commandment to honour their father and mother. The person who put God first wouldn't murder wouldn't dishonour relationships or consider theft or need anybody to tell them not to lie or envy what others have. The Ten Commandments have influenced our world and the, the laws of countless nations more than any other document in history. They've been a positive good wherever nations have adopted them and people have followed them. Whenever nations and peoples have disregarded them, chaos has followed. Ten commandments, ten guidelines for the journey. Not from a God who demands our obedience by invoking fear or demanding sacrifices, but from a God who calls us into right relationship with him and with one another. They are not a checklist of do's and don'ts, they are a way of life. When Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment was, he said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And then he added, and the second is like it, love your neighbour as yourself. In that statement, Jesus summed up the Ten Commandments. You see, the first four commands deal with loving God. The next six deal with loving our neighbour. Jesus took the 320 words of the Ten Commandments and summed them up in about 37 words. But more than that, he came to model them for us. So those 37 words... What do they mean to us and what are we going to do with them?